This is the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less. Ever wish you could re-listen to your favorite interview or segment? Do you enjoy hearing older shows for the first time in years? Then the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less is just what you need. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less. I'm your host, John Solberg. Today's show is pulled from May 18th, 2010. Two of the greatest outdoor educators in recent time on this show today, Derek Riches. Derek stopped by at something a little different. He was talking to Greg about his recent trip to Memphis in May, his take on the whole Memphis in May experience. We're going to hear from Derek in just a minute, but first, let's check in with Teddy Reeder on his recent world record-breaking burger cook. Joining me now, a man who has, I guess we'll get firm confirmation here in just one second, that might have broke the Guinness Book of World Records for hamburgers. It's monthly show contributor and friend of the show, Ted Reeder. Ted, how are you tonight? Good. How are you doing, Greg? I'm doing outstanding, Ted, and I always appreciate you making time for the show. I know you're on a whirlwind book tour on top of breaking all sorts of hamburger world records. So, Ted... I got to ask you, when you were on last month, you had made kind of a reference to working this whole big uh, issue out with the world record hamburger, and it was just kind of a teaser, and we said if you did it, you'd be on next month to talk about it, and nonetheless, and nobody should ever doubt Ted Reader when it comes to hamburgers, especially making big ones, but as you look back on it, I know you had the cookbook out that we talked about last time about the hamburgers, but when does the, the whole thing about wanting to build the biggest world record hamburger strike you, and how long does the plan take to get it, to get it going? Um, <laughs> about five years ago, I had the idea of, uh, of breaking the Guinness Book of World Records for a large hamburger, but it was just an idea and it stuck in the back of my mind. And, and when I eventually wrote a book on burgers and my newest book, Napoleon's Everyday Gourmet Burgers is 110 different burger recipes. And I thought to myself, Hey, the best way to promote this book would be to, to make one more burger and just make it the world's biggest commercially available hamburger. And uh, so we went about, uh, once the book went to print in, in, uh, in late last year, we started making some plans about how to do this burger. And really in the spring, in March, uh, as the weather cleared up, I started making more plans. And we started talking to Napoleon uh, Grills in Canada and about the design of the burger. And we had this meeting and it came up to, and I said, okay, here's, here's what this burger is going to look like. And I figured it's going to be about 200 pound patty so that we can break the, the current record by Mally sports bar in Michigan of 185.5 pounds. And I originally thought I'll make a 200 pound patty and that'll be it. And then I started looking into it and doing some more work and testing the grill and, and playing around. And finally, it came up with that the patty ended up being 307 pounds of ground meat. I mean, it just, that it, pat- it, Go it, ahead. it just sounds uh, almost unfathomable at 200 pounds. Then you increase it by 107 pounds. So, I mean, you're talking just about that much of raw meat and then all the other stuff that has to go along with that. I mean, what kind of a process are we looking at here? Uh, we're looking at weeks of, of, of insanity, of really thinking it. And at the same time, I was working on my next book for next year called Beerlicious. 
And, uh, and so I was trying to put this all together. And so I did my first test and I cooked one pound burgers, two pound burgers, five pound burgers, 10 pound burgers. And I'd never done anything bigger, but I had done some calculations and figured out what the size of that burger would be. And I was able to put that together. But once that, uh, once that happened, so I said, okay, I got to cook a, a four, I, I worked out a 42 pound hamburger and I tried to cook it on, on a, actually on a Meadow Creek uh, grill. Nice. And I, and I cooked this 42 pound hamburger on this Meadow Creek grill. And what I found was that I burnt the living daylights out of the one side of it <laughs> in about an hour and a half. And I said, well, this is, this isn't going to work if I'm going to try and do this with a 200 pound patty. And, but when I flipped the burger over to the second side, I did some modifications and I said, okay, that was all direct. Let's slow things down. Let's look at this from a different angle. And I moved all the charcoal out of the way. Now, guys that have had this record before me, let me clarify, have all done this, this burger in an oven. They've put it into a mold and they've baked it in the oven right. that I've seen. And I decided that if I'm going to go and break this record, I'm going to have to do it on a grill. And I'm going to make it even harder. I'm going to do it on a charcoal grill. Why, why not make it absolutely the most difficult process on the face of the earth, right, Ted? Why not? If I'm going to do it, go big or go home, baby. All right, and so, that's my philosophy. So you have to have so, a huge grill. And how does? I mean, how long did it take Napoleon to, to make a grill? And was this specific for this event only? Well, I had, I had talked with the folks at Napoleon and said, this is my plan. And this is how I figured it out so far on what this should look like. A firebox that can hold, that can be as big as the burger and that will hold all the charcoal. And then I need sides and side walls. And then I figured some kind of an apparatus of a cage type of grill. So it'll eat based upon the Meadow Creek principle that it just, you know, you turn it over and it's nice and easy. Right. And so I took that concept and said, this is what I want to do, but we need to modify it. We need to be able to clamp it down. It needs to be at least to go to a foot thick in case the burger <laughs> patty itself is going to be a foot thick. And so they started working. It didn't take them much longer than about a month to put the whole grill together. And I, once I flipped my burnt 42-pound burger and I started cooking it on the other side, I put a water pan underneath it to create the steam, and I had the charcoal all the way around it, so I was cooking it indirectly. So once that happened, we were able to make that, that the other side came out absolutely perfect. So when you have, so the, my, when you have the whole thing uh, you know, ready to go when it's, when it's uh, the day of to break the record, I'm sure a lot of people are fascinated with the fact of how do you get 307 pounds of raw meat onto a grill? Well, what we did is, is we made a mold, and the mold was 40 inches in diameter and, uh, and about 18 inches thick. And, if and the viewers or the listeners want to go online to my Facebook page, they can look at photos of all of the, the test runs that I did. And so there's a ring. We did a test on this grill because the charcoal was running over 1,000 degrees. And we had to put water pans in between the charcoal and the grill itself. But, I mean, it was pretty easy because we built a plate. We put the burger on it. We put the ring on the plate. We put the burger meat into it. We had another plate over it to press it down. And we let the burger rest. So when, when we put that burger into the grill and clamped it down, it pushed it. Now, this is a 307-pound patty. It's 46 inches in diameter. <laughs> and six to eight inches thick. Wow. It took six hours to cook, and it took 400 pounds of Basque charcoal to cook it. 
Wow. Six hours to cook. Right. And what, then there was the bun. Well, what, 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 what type of an internal temperature are you looking for on a finish? Well, because we're in Canada and because we're in Ontario, the Canadian Food Inspection Agency and the Toronto Board of Health makes me cook that burger because it was a consumer, uh, consumable burger. It wasn't just for show. People were going to eat this. I had to cook that burger to an internal temperature of 160 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh. And this was... So uh, I had to make it well done. It had to be well done. Was it ground beef? And we had to have... Go ahead. Was it ground beef uh, Was or ground round or was it sirloin? What kind of meat did you use? I used regular ground beef, All about right. 20% internal fat. Mm. And then I used my orgasmic onion burger seasoning in that mixture. And, and everybody ate it when it was done, right? This was consumed? And it, well, they, they they ate it. We sold the thing for seventy five hundred dollars, <laughs> and and raised money for a charity that I'm involved with called Camp Bucko, and it's a burn camp for kids and uh, uh, burn survivor children. So that's what that's what the camp is. So that was also to raise money for this charity and to promote my burger book. But the bun was one hundred and four pounds. It also is forty six inches in diameter and a foot thick. <clears throat> And then we added in 35 pounds of lettuce, 35 pounds of tomatoes, 35 pounds of red onions sliced, 25 pounds of pickles, and 50 pounds of shredded cheese. Wow. Sounds like what I had for dinner last night. And in the end, <laughs> that's a big burger. Yeah. In the end, it came out to 590.0 pounds. Wow. So, I mean, you're looking and, at uh, well over a quarter ton of, uh, of meat and, and, and bun and, and condiments. Yeah, one big ass burger. So, I mean, now be honest, Ted. I mean, you're a, a well known chef. You're classically trained. You're well versed in the outdoor barbecuing and grilling aspect. When you when you cut it up and you started serving it out, on a scale of one to ten, how good did it taste? The flavor of the meat was great, and I would give it a seven on a scale of one to ten. Hmm. Um, but it didn't have the moist and juiciness like when I did my test burger two days prior. I cooked it to an internal temperature of 135 degrees, and it was a beautiful medium rare. And I tell you, that burger was absolutely delicious. And that 307-pound patty was was absolutely a 10 out of 10 on the delicious scale. It was moist. It was juicy. It was tender. It was wonderful. But because the laws in this country make me cook that burger to 160 degrees, it can only be as good as it is. We're talking with Ted Reeder. He is uh, the world record holder at 590 pounds for a hamburger patty. TedReader.com is his website. To put in your request for a future show, please contact John Solberg via email at john, J-O-N, at the BBQCentralShow.com. Derek, thanks for coming back on tonight. How are you? Hey, Greg. Good. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, and thanks for coming on. I know it was... Quite a uh, hellacious weekend in a very good sense for you. Uh, you were attending the Memphis in May, doing a whole bunch of walking around and meeting and greeting with all the big shots that are out there, which is something, of course, I wish I could have done. But it should have been you anyway. You have a lot more experience than me. and Plus, I can just get you on the telephone and we can recount your experiences. So as you look back over the course of this past weekend, uh, great champions were crowned. Lots of fun were had. Xanax and uh, oxycodone and drugs and pot were abound as well from uh, Spotwell smokers or whoever the hell they were. But what were your uh, estimations of how it all went down this past weekend? Well, you know, I think I think it went really well. I mean, Memphis in May is unlike any other competition out there, really. You know, um, 
is it's absolutely huge. It's uh, one mile from the north gate to the south gate, and there's about three pathways through it. So uh, it's just huge. A ton of people there. There are parties going on all the time. Uh, it's a it's it's a lot of fun, but it's pretty pretty exhausting. So when you look at a, a Memphis Barbecue Network event. When compared to some of the other perhaps more commonly known, unless you're within that uh, sanctioning body or within that particular subculture of MBN, I mean, it differs quite a bit as far as setup and what you're cooking and all the judging process and stuff like that. What do you like or what do you dislike about that style of competition? Well, you know, um, it is really unique. There are about 250 teams competing in basically four simultaneous competitions. You can only compete in one thing. So if you want to do ribs, you just do ribs. This means that the competitors are more focused on what they're doing. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's a really good competition. Frankly, I really like the way it works out. It's not quite as hectic as like KCBS events. Uh, it's a lot more relaxed. It, it does generate a more of a kind of party atmosphere, I think, you know, just because you are working on one thing. Hmm. Um, you know, then they, you know, I think the the big thing is they crown a grand champion at the end, and that typically is whoever was who won for whole hog, and so it may be a little unfair in that direction, but uh, you know, all in all, I think it's a really good competition. So teams are only allowed to they have to choose one particular category that they're going to cook. They can't cook all three. Right. You just do you just do one of them. You do the whole hog. You do the shoulder, or you do uh, ribs. It is just a pork competition, but they do have kind of a they have a side competition that they judge out on uh, on Thursday, and you can do pretty much anything in there. So if you want to do brisket, you could do it then. Was there anybody that you were uh, talking with that you found particularly unique, or that had a good story from last weekend? Well, you know, because it's such a huge competition, I decided that I would focus a little bit more on the shoulder competition, um, in part because you had the bigger names there. You know, Myron Mixon had decided he was going to do shoulder uh, at this time. That's the only time, the first time he's ever done shoulder at Memphis May. He always does whole hog. Chris Lilly was there, um, and uh, Tuffy Stone, uh, Cool Smoke was there. So I just decided to, you know, kind of focus in on, on these guys a little bit. And Tuffy Stone obviously winning the uh, pork shoulder category. So, you know, within that, was it seen as kind of a coup for a a more known KCBS team coming into an NBA network and then uh, taking the the grand champion for the the pork category? Or is it just, you know, here's a guy that knows how to cook shoulder regardless of sanctioning body? Well, you know, it's it's kind of interesting. Tuffy um, said this is literally the fourth time he's done shoulder. You know, you put that up against someone like Chris Lilly. They do shoulder down at Big Bob Gibson's, and he's probably cooked 10,000 of them. So, you know, I think Tuffy really felt that he was at a certain disadvantage. But, you know, just talking with him and kind of getting the way his process works, I don't think Tuffy's ever at a disadvantage. And so you have, you know, Tuffy, you have Myron Mixon, you have Chris Lilly. Was Chris Lilly actually competing under two different teams this year? There was a you know Big Bob Gibson's and there was a Lily's Barbecue. Or does that just happen to be a an odd same last name? Uh, odd same last name. He hmm. was just doing Big Bob, Big Bob Gibson's, and uh, you know he really focused on the restaurant. You know the whole family was there. So when you when you look at all the well not all of the categories but those three, you have the ribs, which is probably has the most uh, entrance. I, I would imagine simply because of the popularity of ribs. I would imagine that pork shoulder is probably the second most, and then the least entered is probably whole hog, which seems to be the most difficult to cook. 
is that a leap to make, or is there no bones about it? Whole hog is going to be the, the hardest thing to cook throughout that competition. Oh, definitely whole hog is the hardest to cook. I mean, you got the, the hardest, the you know, the longest cooking time. I think there are about 40 teams in, in the whole hog competition. You know, the meat inspectors are out early Friday morning because these guys are putting on to cook, you know, by noon on Friday to you know, do turn in 24 hours later. So, you know, whole hog is, is an ambitious effort and it takes a lot of prep time, a lot of work and a lot of attention to detail and so, a lot of strength too. Do you think that because all of that is involved in doing the whole hog, that's why typically they're going to give you the overall grand champion or the, the world champion, whatever they call it, uh, to the people that cook the whole hog there? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, that is the, really the great, the great challenge of barbecue is whole hog and that, you know, Memphis is all about pork and, you know, that's the way they want to look at it. So if you have teams like Big Bob Gibson's and Jack's Old South, Myron Mixon's team that aren't competing in whole hog, do you think that the teams that win, and of course I'm going to be having the team that was crowned overall here uh, about five after 10 o'clock tonight, uh, Yazoo's Delta Cuban Melissa Cookston, do you think that it somehow taints what they were able to do in winning that overall championship because some of the other more well-known whole hog teams didn't compete this year? No, I don't. I don't really think so. I mean, it's a it's a tough competition, no matter how you put it. And you know, Myron is typically, you know, I mean, he's considered the 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 world's greatest whole hog cooker. I think he's won that like three times there, or maybe more. Um, you know, and and he he told me that he was doing shoulder because nobody's won in two different categories out of Memphis and Maine. He wanted to be the first. And there it is from May eighteenth, two thousand and ten. If you want to hear the rest of this show, there's a lot more to it. Head on over to the BBQCentralShow.com. There is a link in the show notes to get you to this show. Also, there's an archive button there. You can scroll through the archives of hundreds and hundreds of Barbecue Central shows. Search box on the page. Type in something you're looking for. It'll get you there quickly. While you're there, do me a favor. Be sure you subscribe to the Barbecue Central Show via podcast. Never miss an episode of that show or this show again. Until next time on the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show, in 10 minutes or less, I'm your host, John Solberg, and I will talk to you soon.